I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We're on the third lesson of our fourth quarter here, Present Truth in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. The week's lesson itself is entitled The Everlasting Covenant. Yes. And we're going to see things like covenant and law and, and gospel all used in this week's lesson. There's That's a right. lot to this week's lesson. But now, before but, we do that. Yes, please. <laughs> We want to just let you know about our upcoming Sabbath School workshop. It's going to be here in Michigan at Camp Osable, and mm -hmm. uh, the dates October are October 29 to 31, and you can register right now. The opening uh, it's online at michigansspm.org. There's a little banner that has the logo and mm -hmm. the rightly rightly uh, thoroughly equipped. Yes. I'm sorry, as uh, you'll see the nice big click on that banner, and it'll have the registration form pop up, and you or can take care of that. Or go to the events page, and you can link there. Sure. Either way. So the registration is open. We want people to know about it, so come on out and be part of that. Absolutely. Now, this week's particular lesson has a lot of material in it, and I think it's going to mm. be fodder for some very interesting Sabbath school uh, experiences in the local church. Yes. So I think we should pray to the Lord to guide our study here, and uh, then go over our talking points. You yes. want to lead us in prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these lessons that we gain from the book of Deuteronomy and the history, the experience of your people. As we learned last week, we have nothing to fear but forgetting the way you've led in the past and your teaching to your people. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us today as we study this lesson. May it be a blessing to uh, Sabbath school teachers and uh, attendees alike. Uh, thank you for hearing and answering our prayer, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Take, take us through our talking points this week. Yes. Mr. Cameron. Talking points this week. Talking point number one. Well, in fact, the introduction, let me be clear. Yes. The title of the lesson is The Everlasting Covenant, this yes. week's study. And you're going to see that even on Sabbath afternoon, it drives right into some really, I appreciated Sabbath afternoon's framing of this week's study, where it said in the second paragraph there, it's no wonder that the Bible talks at other times about the everlasting covenant. And it already mentioned how there's an everlasting gospel, right? right. And then it summarizes saying, the essence of the gospel is covenant, and the essence of the covenant is the gospel. Which really mm -hmm. leads nicely into talking point number one, which is that the covenant and the gospel are inseparable. We'll get into a lot of that, but that covers, that's kind of the theme that runs through most all of this week's lessons. Sabbath, Sunday, Monday, yeah, and that's Tuesday. The bulk of it. That's the bulk of it. All right. Beyond that, however, talking point number two, distinction is good for God's people and the world. That God has mm. called his people out, and there's a reason for that. And we're the world. And the world, too. Okay. And we're going to see that right. in Wednesday's uh, lesson particularly. And then finally, from Thursday, we draw our third talking point, the depth of God's love is hard to describe. <laughs> it's easy to get very narrow in some of these conversations. We've got to remember there's yes. a wide-angle lens on God's All right, looking forward love. to it. Let's dive in. This Talking week, we're going to start one. with number one. As covenant we do and every the Gospel. Week. The Covenant and the Gospel are inseparable. Now, I was tempted, Pastor Howard, to say the Covenant and the Gospel are synonymous or are interchangeable. But mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to overstate something, but there is clearly a an unbreakable link between the covenant sure. and the gospel and God's law and his grace and all of these things are bound up in it, okay? Mm -hmm. So, the quarterly brings this out and uh, I've got it in the notes kind of truncated here, but in Sunday's lesson, paragraph one starts and ends with these words. All through the Bible, the covenant and the gospel appear together. And even from the start, the central truth of the covenant was the gospel. 
salvation by faith alone. Mm -hmm. And of course, the quarterly goes on to reference what we well know in Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, about how Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Then in Romans chapter 4 and other parts of Paul's writings, he refers to the righteousness of Christ apart from the law. And uh, we have this gospel message in the Old and New Testament in almost indistinguishable from the covenant itself, mm-hmm. right? Now, what I want to dive into a little bit more is that this central truth of salvation by faith alone, as the lesson rightly refers to the heart of the covenant being, does not negate the role of God's law in both the covenant and mm-hmm. the gospel. Because sometimes I think when we start talking, Pastor Howard, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong in this, but when we start talking about the gospel or the covenant, or the law, or grace, or any of these themes, we start to humanly draw lines between mm-hmm. terms that maybe God intends to to be blurred, to be overlapping, yes. to be um, interwoven, and we artificially dissect them and then create tensions that are not necessary. Well, honestly, I was thinking that as you were going through this, yeah, we're going to have, if I may be so blunt, we're going to have two groups of viewers. We're going to have people who are up on all these theological terms, who are going to be checking every box or scratching off and whatever. Then we're going to have people that are fairly new to them that hopefully will not be totally bewildered by it. Because as you're going through and you're like, well, there's a law and there's a covenant, but the covenants are this and 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 Right. You know, the new guy's like, I just thought I'd believe in Jesus. Yeah, like, huh? <laughs> and, and, and follow where he leads me. Yeah, stick with that. <laughs> exactly. And that's a good thing to do because, and I think to that point, is that the Lord doesn't intend for these things to be at odds with each other and create these false sentences where it's supposed to be a common sense, straightforward reading and understanding of what God provides for mm-hmm. us, right? And we equated in the last, uh, was it last quarter we talked about the covenant? Or was mm. it the one where, where the, the covenant was equivalent to the, no, last is rest. It was the last one was last. rest. It was before that. But it's, it's equated with the promises of God. Mm-hmm. You know, Hebrews, the Apostle Paul says the new covenant is based on better promises. It's mm-hmm. based on the promises of God to save us through Jesus. Mm. And so, you know, that's what we're talking about in the greater context of things. Well, I want to bring out two texts here that yes. illustrate this. I'm going to look up Deuteronomy 4.13, if you could look at Jer- Jeremiah 31.33. Yep. Okay. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 13, Moses, of course, reiterating uh, this to his people, said, So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, comma, the Ten Commandments. So right there, he's talking about how the covenant is synonymous with the Ten Commandments, right? He declared mm-hmm. it to you. Yeah. That you for you to perform, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. All right, so you have the law of God yeah. written on tablets of stone, given them to the people so that they'll perform. Mm-hmm. But then you see the promise in Jeremiah thirty-one. Sure, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three says, "But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days," says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And of course, this is what Paul quotes in in Hebrews eight when he's talking about the new covenant. Right, and so. All through this lesson, like for instance, on Sunday's lesson, it's called, the title is The Covenant and the Gospel, but it mm-hmm. talks about how does that relate to keeping the law, keeping the law, keeping the mm-hmm. law. And the idea being, it's not that the gospel frees you from having to keep the law, but it does what God has promised all along, that he's going to write that law in That's your right. heart and make you a person who keeps the law. That's right. It's a beautiful thing in reality. 
Um, so thus we read in the quarterly on Sunday, paragraph 4, it says, The covenant promises are made to all, Jew and Gentile, who are of faith, and thus who are justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Mm-hmm. Then it adds, however much they are obligated because of the covenant to obey the law. Sure. So it's not freedom from the law, but it's clearly... P- freedom from the penalty of the law, right? As we have all fallen. But now in that relationship with God, he writes it on our hearts and empowers us to do the very thing he's wanted for us all along. Well, I think one of the challenges is we have equated uh, obedience to trying to be saved by our own efforts. We've mm. equated the two. In mm-hmm. other words, uh, the lesson is pointing out obedience, but it talks about those who are, we are how we're justified by faith, and it's quoting from Galatians, of course, and not by the deeds of the law. Mm. The idea of legalism is rooted in trying to be saved by my effort, trying to be justified, finding my standing with God mm. based on my obedience. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the gospel says, no, you can't obey good enough to be in perfect standing with God. But that doesn't equate. That doesn't get rid of obedience. In mm-hmm. other words, it just gets already rid of obedience as a as a platform for finding my my standing innocent before God. My innocence before God only comes by accepting Jesus and His through the righteousness of right. Christ. But it's through that I- I experience then I'm brought into an obedient relationship with God. Yes. When you look at Ezekiel's language in Ezekiel 36, God says in that new covenant problem, I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to cause you to walk in my ways and follow my mm-hmm. statutes and you're going to keep them and do them. Well, I can imagine why this is important here in the early lessons of a study of Deuteronomy because Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. So it's a book about the law. Well, and in fact, it uses the word covenant so much, it's called the book of the covenant, as the lesson points out. So It also talks a lot about obedience. and In fact, a phrase that's common throughout is Deuteronomy is not only to observe, mm-hmm. but be, be careful, careful to, to observe. That's right. Like that sounds like there's this mindset that if you are going to observe or obey, don't be real careful in it, because that's being too particular, but right. this is language that is found throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Well, I'm thinking that's what this week's lesson, the whole purpose of it is, is yes. to prepare to us for. We're gonna, exactly. We're going to be looking at the law and obedience and carefulness, and we got to remember <laughs> that it's in the context of the gospel. Yes. And I love this statement from um, Christ's Christ Object, Object Lesson, page 128, where she writes, No man can rightly present the law of God without the gospel, or the gospel without the law. The law is the gospel embodied, and the gospel is the law unfolded. That's right. The law is the root. The gospel is the fragrant blossom and fruit which it bears. What a fascinating statement. Yeah. So we should not try to separate those things The gospel is the law embodied, and the law is the gospel unfolded. Unfolded. It's, or, or the gospel is the law unfolded. What did I say there? Let's make sure you get it right. The yeah. law is the gospel embodied, and the gospel is the law unfolded. Right. So the law unfolded and, and and you think about the life of Christ like his well, you look at the law of God and say what does that look like in a person mm. and and in the life of Jesus you see it in all you know every what he what you see in the life of Jesus because we always talk about the Pharisees we say well that was the law keeping no it wasn't Jesus said why do you guys not keep none of you keeps the law why are you trying to kill me mm. Jesus was the only one who kept the law and his life was an embodiment of that and it was an unfolding of what those mm. principles were in the law of God so mm. Fascinating. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of his encounter with the the young man who is like, "Good teacher, what?" My, and he starts to like, "Why do you call me good? There's right. only one who's good." And he was a guy who thought he was doing well. He wanted that's to right. draw the dichotomy there. That's a, that's interesting. Um, 
Do we want to mention Ministry of Healing 142? We had discussed it earlier on, but I don't know if we... Maybe you should just reference it. And well, say, I'll just say, I mean, this... This we could take this whole lesson on this point. There's just a lot. I've been in the my family was out of the church, and I came back in the church, and we've been back in the church over 20 years. Now, I have been personally since I've been baptized, been in ministry, and I'll tell you that this contention over obedience and how far does obedience go before it becomes legalism is this confusing thing, as if obeying God is ever wrong, and the context of what we're looking at is simply saying if your obedience to God is to earn something from God, that's not the same as obeying God because you love God and you want to serve God. There's just a very mm. difference in the motive there. And so there's been a mindset that we discuss quite, and it comes up all the time that it seems to be the tipping point for most people. Like, how do I know the difference between if I'm obeying the right way or wrong way? Effort. If you put forth any effort or right. energy or the you strive to anything, of, yeah, that's, legalism is we, effort. we talk about doing it in your own strength. In fact, the lesson, we're going to get to that at some yes. point. But there, there's this mindset that, oh, doing it on, in your own strength, that comes when you try. And that's just not the case. So there's a great statement where the uh, book Ministry of Healing, and I had it up here, the book Ministry of Healing highlights this. This is on page 4. 87, paragraph 2. I must have just gotten the whole... Go ahead. It says, Day by day and year by year we shall, grow, we shall conquer self and grow into a noble heroism. This is our allotted task. But it cannot be accomplished without help from Jesus. And we'd love to stop it right there. But then resolute decision. So we're going to have help from him, but then we've got to make... We get a resolve. Um, resolute decision. Unwavering purpose continual watchfulness, and unceasing prayer. Each one has a personal battle to fight. Not even God can make our characters noble or our lives useful unless we become co-workers with Him. Those who decline the struggle lose the strength and joy of mm. victory. Mm. And that last sentence, I mean, those who decline the struggle. Can you imagine a, a football player's like, no, I don't want to get on the field because mm. if I do, I might get injured and whatever. It's true, but if you decline the struggle, you're never going to You win. can't yeah. win a game from the bench. Yeah. And in the same way, as much as we don't want to strive in our own efforts, you're never going to overcome in the Christian life if you don't put some energy into it. Amen. And that's there's well, a balance here that and there's, I want to bring addressed. in. It's actually from Friday's lesson, but it goes nicely here. It's uh, from. Uh, Bible Commentary, Volume 6, page 1077. Mm -hmm. It says, The spirit of bondage is engendered by seeking to live in accordance with legal religion mm -hmm. through striving to fulfill the claims of the law in our own strength. So that's her definition there of legal religion, which yeah. is striving to fulfill the law in our own strength. Now, let's be clear. That's not saying that religion requires no striving. This is a, quote, legal religion, which is a formal, cold, separated from the power of God religion, right? Through striving to fulfill it in your own strength. She goes on to explain the remedy. There is hope for us only as we come under the Abrahamic covenant, which is the covenant of grace by faith in Christ Jesus. The gospel preached to Abraham, through which he had hope, was the same gospel that is preached to us today, mm. through which we have hope. Abraham looked unto Jesus, who is also the author and finisher of our faith. So okay. there's one gospel and this one covenant idea that God has always intended us to be able, in his strength, 
to do all that he asks us to do. That's right. And that in his in his strength, in our strength, I mean, the only way you can strive in your own strength apart from the Lord is when you're apart from the Lord. And let's be, <laughs> in other words, how many people do you know that grew up in the church, they don't go to church anymore, but they try to live moral lives by That's his strength? That's the very definition. In other yeah. words, if I'm spending regular time with the Lord, it can't be in my own strength because I'm tapping into him. This mm. is a person who I'm going to go about and live morally but I don't want to spend that time with the Lord. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to have that. Hmm. They may go to church. You know, yeah. There's more that could be said on this, but the point is, if you're realizing and recognizing that if I ever needed the Lord before, I sure do <laughs> need him now, and you trust in the Lord every day, and then you seek to follow where right. he leads. He's not that, going to disappoint you. because right. He's not going to leave the, you in your own strength. But he's not just the author of it. And then we're the finisher. He's the author and the finisher. Right. He has promised that strength to us. That's incredible to think about. All right, but we need to move on. Let's I'm go sure to more will come up in this lesson of Deuteronomy. Well, I'm guessing the, that I'm about to go over talking points two and three. And from most Sabbath school classes, they're going to spend their whole time, even if they don't go our That's talking right. points, the lesson itself is going to get in Especially that kind of Especially if dozen. you open the floor a little bit. Exactly. Boy. So, whew. All right. But there are other things we can draw it out. <laughs> Number two is distinction is good for God's people and the world. Now, that's now, interesting language. It is. And now, and this comes from Wednesday's lesson where it talks about God's people being a special people, right? Mm -hmm. And we've referred to this before, uh, how God's church, in fact, the words for church in the Bible mean called right. out, right? To be separate from. And we would think, well, the reason he wants us to be separate is for us to not be polluted by the world. And there's truth to that. Sure. Let's be clear. We, if there are bad habits and situations, if you're an alcoholic at a bar, get yourself out of there, right? Mm -hmm. God calls his people to be separate and special. Yes. Peculiar is his word, right? And so sometimes I think we focus on the separation from us in the world is important for us mm -hmm. to maintain that faithfulness. And I would submit that that mm -hmm. is true. But I'd also submit that that's incomplete because there's a reason God wants us to be distinct from those in darkness is so that we can be a light and help draw them mm -hmm. out too. That's right. That there's the distinction, the separate, the peculiarness of God's people is in itself a ministry to those in darkness. Absolutely. So, um, I was so it's kind of hard to get a clear picture if, if, if uh, the church is so muddled and mingled with the world that you can't, there's not a clear, uh, Ellen White used to use the term, the line of demarcation, a mm -hmm. difference. You can't tell. Like, it all looks the same. And, right. and suddenly, Christianity that would be this bright, shining light is all kind of... It's like what, it's like a stained glass window in a church that's all got soot and everything yeah. over it, and it's just there's not much light coming in anymore. Exactly. And so the distinction is good for us and for them. Uh, Wednesday's lesson brings us out in paragraph 4. It says, mm -hmm. By having entered into the covenant with God, they were to be a special people, a witness to the world of the God who created the heaven and the earth, mm -hmm. the only God. So their distinction, their right. peculiarity was a ministry to those in darkness. Uh, we see this repeatedly in this book of Deuteronomy that we're going to study where the emphasis is, well, for instance, I'm, I'm open to Deuteronomy 4 verse 6 right now, mm -hmm. and we see this phrase, therefore be careful to observe them, speaking mm -hmm. of those, those laws, right? Yeah. For... And it doesn't say for your own self-preservation. No. It says, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight, in the sight of, of all the peoples who will hear all these statutes mm -hmm. and say, sure, this great nation is wise, understanding people. 
So your fidelity to God's law it's is not only maintenance we, for you, but it's an outreach to them. We always fear. We're like, no, if I do that, I'm going to be too particular, and they're going to look at me and say, that person's weird. And yet the Lord says, if yeah. you do this, they're going to look and say, you guys are really smart. Exactly. So something is... So we might feel uncomfortable being separated from it, but God's like, that's the very thing I want because it's a help to those other people to see something different, right? That's right. Why don't you read from Prophets and Kings? This fascinating well, and you reference in, in our outline, the lesson references Deuteronomy 26, 16, and oh, 19. Please, yeah. Give that same one. Well, I'm not going to read them. I'm just but, saying, but it's that, that Wednesday's lesson brings up there are a few passages that highlight that aspect. Yes. Prophets and Kings 5.70 says, The principles set forth in Deuteronomy for the instruction of Israel are to be followed by God's people to the end of time. There is constant danger that professing Christians will come to think that in order to have influence with worldlings, they must to a certain extent conform to the world. But though such a course may appear to afford great advantages, it always ends in spiritual loss. And I don't know about you, but I've been in not just ministry, but for a good portion of time in, in youth ministry, right? And, and dealing with young people. And you always kind of think, wow, you got to blend in with the kids. you gotta, you got to make it, you know, just meet them where they are, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And the idea is you need to embody their worldly culture without being, you know, sullied by it yourself, but really reach around where they are. And, you know, we heard a worship talk here in the office the other day that it was just a phenomenal testimony to the fact that the the person talking was uh, not at all converted when they were in their youth. And they had a teacher who was the opposite of him in every way. He's like, we're from a different culture, different religious background, a different way we dress and talk and everything was different. And we thought this guy was, you know, the dorkiest, dweebiest guy. Mm -hmm. But he said, but it was through him that I saw what Christianity was really like and he had an influence in my life. He very clearly said, I, this is not a guy I ever wanted to be like. Right. And we're like, oh no, we got to act like, you know, real hip and cool with the kids. Like, I want to, I want to be, and we got to dress down and we got right. this and that. It's this mindset. So that and, grabbed my attention. And even with he's adults. Like, he's yeah. like, there was nothing about him that I aspired to be like him. Mm-hmm. But his interest in me and his connection with the Lord, want, you know. Exactly. That- and we see this in, it's, it's not just a youth ministry thing, but in all yes. adult, we look around and how many church growth movements in the last decades have talked about, well, you got to find out what the people like, dress like them and talk like them and act like them and mm-hmm. listen to and the reality is that doesn't actually win. It might win friends or something, but it's not really changing people to want to see something better. That's anyway. right. Great Controversy 509 comes to my mind. Conformity to worldly customs converts the church to the world. It never converts the world to Christ. Mercy. That's a great statement. So God, from the very beginning, has asked us to be a distinct people, not only for our own good, but for as a witness to all nations. Mm. And finally, whew, let's go to the... Talking point number three, which is the depth of God's love is hard to describe. That's almost like a truism, like a really, I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> God's really re- big. <laughs> but I, I don't know, maybe this is part of the reason you're bringing it up, is we're always, and I think we mentioned this in one of our recent lessons, like we're always trying to explain mm-hmm. God's love, which I'm not saying it's wrong to do that, but there has to be a, an element of recognition, like your talking point here says, mm-hmm. that... How in the world are you going to get, like, and we talked about, there's an old word called histrionic, where, yeah. you, where you put in a lot of human emotion and, and try to put emotion mm-hmm. in your voice to t- as if that's going to give the idea, yeah, it, clear up the conceptions really of God's love. It, yeah. Versus, 
letting the Holy Spirit convey what human lips just can't. Right. And as we read through Deuteronomy, you're going to hear, well, Quarterly brings this out, I think, nicely in, in paragraph one from Thursday. Yes. It says, the idea of a covenant, a legal agreement between two parties with rules and stipulations and regulations, can seem so cold and so formal. Though that element must indeed exist, God is the lawgiver, it's not broad enough to encompass the depth and breadth of the kind of relationship God wanted with his people. Hence, other images are used in Deuteronomy to help portray the same idea as the covenant between God and Israel, but just to give it added dimensions. So, he then lists off uh, the contributor makes reference to other passages in Deuteronomy. For instance, Mm -hmm. chapter 8, verse 5, where the father, where the, the imagery of a father caring for his children mm-hmm. is brought out, okay? Uh, you see that in 14.1 and 32.6 as well. In chapter 4, verse 20, there's the precious metal being refined, like he's, he's pulling us out of the fire, you know, he's looking for his character mm-hmm. reflected in his people. Then you can see in Deuteronomy 32, verse 9, where he says that the, that they are the Lord's inheritance, his portion, his share. Mm-hmm. So, it's well, you bigger. know, I'm reading it, and I can't. It talks about the idea of a covenant, a legal agreement between, with stipulations and rules and regulations, and it just sounds so rigid and whatever mm. else. But it's about perspective. I mean, I could talk about the marriage covenant, right? Mm. In my marriage, there are rules and stipulations, and you know, no more dating around. Yeah. My wife and I just bought a new house. I can no longer just do everything I want to do. It's like, honey, do you like this carpet color? No, I don't like it. I mean, and then we've got to go through these. Well, I could make that just, I could state that in a list of, well, now I can't buy the things that I want and I can't do that. But that really doesn't represent. So there's always rules in connection with these relationships, uh, especially covenant agreement, what have you. Mm -hmm. But that isn't your perspective. Mm-hmm. Can can give a whole different view of how the how you interact with them. Exactly right. And it, yeah. Well, I think that's another reason why this is probably coming up now is because we're about to go through a book of law, and you yeah. think, man, I guess God is only a lawgiver. It's only yes. this legal thing. When inside that same book of Deuteronomy, other representations are given right. to help us expand the concept of but God's even, love. My point is that even those very laws can be looked at from two sides. Mm. In other words, the restriction, I can look at a restriction in my marriage and say, I'm not allowed to date anybody else. <laughs> or That would make a terrible anniversary card. <laughs> <laughs> or, now... I don't have to worry about ever trying to find anybody else today. You know, <laughs> I words, found the one. Yeah, great. I mean, they're just so. I think as we go through, in fact, Ellen White makes a great statement. We don't have it in here. It's in Testimonies, Volume Four, where she says, "To those who o- obey the commandments of God, they're like a pillar of fire." You know, using Israel, mm. but to those who don't obey them, they're like a clouds and darkness and mist. So it's mm. the very same laws. For a person who's converted and loves the Lord, it's a law of liberty. It's a law of life. Mm. But the very same rules can be read very differently by somebody who doesn't have that relationship with the Lord. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm thinking of if, how this is also a theme in the New Testament, this depth and breadth and, 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 and beauty of God's love. I'm thinking of Ephesians chapter 3 where it says uh, in verses uh, 17 through 19. Yes. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and mm-hmm. the depth and the height mm-hmm. to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of <laughs> God. So he's like, it's wide and it's tall and it's deep and it's broad and you can't put it in words. You can't be in the, and that's why in 1 John 3, we it, see like, behold, just look at it. Yes. I, it just, it's huge. But it passes knowledge. Like you're not even going to grasp it completely. Right. We're told that this, this whole thing about salvation and God's love is going to be the science and the song of the redeemed through eternity. Mm -hmm. Eternity. Yeah. And we're still going to be learning. So... So please don't get bogged down into all the narrow human-made distinctions where God has a three-dimensional, beautiful picture of himself and his character that he wants us to know and mm. to experience through his grace. Yeah. So I'm excited about this week's lesson. I think it's going to be some great studies as we go into our Sabbath school classes this week. So as we close, Pastor Howard, can you give us a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father in heaven. Father, we do thank you so much for your love for us as manifested in your laws. And Lord, your, um, the sacrifice of Jesus to uh, pay the penalty for our sins and bring us into harmony with you. And ultimately, Lord, uh, to prepare us for that day when Jesus comes again and we spend eternity together face to face without a veil between. Uh, we ask that you would bless our Sabbath school teachers and classes for this lesson, that they would have a rich experience uh, in the things of God, and that they would be drawn closer to you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.